0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Studs and Duds Sports. Uh, Adam back here with the Bishop of Baseball, Dennis Bishop. Dennis, how did your wedding go?
1: Oh, it was uh, fantastic. When it was as well as it could be expected during COVID season, um, everyone had a good time. And sure enough, the day after our wedding, all the restrictions got lifted. So fantastic.
0: (laughs) Perfect timing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Nice. Uh, we're going to kick off our show a little bit differently this week. We're actually going to talk about the standings and dive into these. Let's start with the AL East. Uh, Dennis, is Boston leading? Not only does Boston leading, but uh, the Yankees being a game out of last place. Does that surprise you at this point in the season?
1: Boston leading, yes. Uh, I don't think their pitching is going to hold up uh, all year long. Nathan Avaldi just isn't that guy. Uh, so the question will be, how soon can they get sale back? And it seems like every week it gets pushed back yet another week. So, you know, the, the thing is, I think early, the early pipe dream would be what if we're within striking distance and we get Chris sale back. That was the, that was the, the optimistic view, but now uh, they're playing good baseball and it becomes even more relevant. But uh, you know, Tanner hawk uh Nathan Evaldi. I mean, you know, you've got uh Pavetta uh going off against the Mets uh you know a few a couple series ago. Uh these guys probably aren't gonna be able to to keep it sustained. The bullpen isn't yet uh where you'd want a a top-tier team like Boston usually is to be at. So uh I like them. I thought they would hit. Uh they they are doing that. Uh they deserve to be where they are, but I think you know when you look at Toronto, they're only a few wins behind them, scoring the same you know, the same amount of run differentials, uh, even a little bit hotter. Uh, Boston's five and five the last ten, Toronto seven and three, so you know they're they're creeping up, and the Yankees are doing the same. Although right now the firepower hasn't been quite to the same extent as the other two.
0: Right, I think the biggest surprise here is. Uh, Tampa Bay is one game under 500 and they also have a minus 12 run differential on the season, but the pitching that they have that that's definitely not expected.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they're going to, you know, they're going to take, uh, they're going to take what they do best, which is uh, develop those pitchers. Uh, I believe we're going to talk about a, you know, a, a couple more. They just continue to reload uh, uh, that pitching staff, but uh, you know, the, the, the pitching, they know what they're doing there. Uh the offense. I'd like to tell you that it's going to come around, but uh, I don't know about that. It's, you know, in the, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors to Tampa Bay's offense. Uh, it's, it's why I it was kind of, you know, I thought that they would be better than a team that just drops to the bottom of the pack when the Snell deal and Morton letting go of Morton happened. Uh, you know, so they still have some work to do, but, you know, they're, they're doing what they do. They're, they're sitting there lying in the weeds uh, while also preparing a rotation that uh, you don't want to meet down the stretch either. So we'll see what happens with them. But I I think right now they're right around what Tampa Bay kind of does after they have a big year.
0: There you go. And, yeah, we'll definitely talk about some of those younger uh, Tampa pitchers coming up later on, as well as Charlie Martin. we'll talk about later on as well. Um let's move on to the central Kansas City leading the way that's definitely a surprise I think for both of us uh the White Sox uh they're doing what kind of thought they were going to do they're plus 28 run differential uh, they're doing fairly well home uh they're 500 on the road and then you've got really I think the biggest surprise here is Minnesota 11 and 16 and they have a plus 4 run differential whereas Kansas City 16 and 11 the exact opposite and has a minus 5 run differential uh, where do you, where do you think these two teams are headed?
1: Uh, so KC, do I think KC is going to, going to have the horses to stay up front all year? Probably not. I won't say definitely no, because they are one of the few teams in baseball, you know, Rays you could probably also look to as well, but, but Kansas city, uh, you know, they, they did their last little mini dynasty of getting back-to-back world series trips and, and, and a ring out of it. Uh, very similar way they're, they're, they're gonna do it an old school way where they're not really worried about run differential they do all the little things they play they play national league baseball in an American League stadium you know in an American League uh, uh, you know league and division in a giant stadium and they know they don't have the money but they know how to use that big stadium well. Um, it's not too surprising most teams I would be a little concerned. Uh, that's leading the way with a negative number, um, much like their counterparts across uh, in the NL in Milwaukee, they're leading the way in their division with, uh, a minus one. Uh, but I think, uh, I think Kansas city, this is the kind of ball they play. It's a long season. Uh, they don't have deep pockets to, to bump people, uh, into, into the situation when injuries happen. So we'll see how they do, but I like where they're at this is definitely something they can sustain because this is the type of ball they play. Uh, Chicago, I, you know, they're scratching, they're scratching the surface, the 28 run differential to the positive. Uh, that's where we thought it would be. They're better at home. That's also where we thought they'd be. It's a park that they hit very well in. Um, and, you know, Keuchel's kind of sitting there. He's, he's really that, that wild card I think right now, uh, if he can get it together, uh, to join some of the the power arms, then they're going to be just fine. Um, Minnesota, they're obviously better than they've shown. Are they good enough to turn it around? Um, it's still very early, so probably. But you know, you don't want to you don't want to get too far behind because uh, then all of a sudden you realize how how tough it is to catch a team like Kansas City that can just peel out one one run win after one run win just game in and game out uh and then you got detroit which is just trash they 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 are they are who we thought they were
0: (laughs) that's exactly right yeah the surprising thing for minnesota they've scored one less run this season than the white Sox have but they've uh given up uh about 23 more runs (laughs) (laughs) sucks. <laughs> yeah, the- so the offense is there, but the the uh, pitching and the defense certainly has not been.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, you know, the offense they've they've been hitting bombs for a few years now, so that's not too crazy. Uh, it's a shame that they're kind of wasting Byron Buxton. They're kind of giving uh, Buxton the the Mike Trout treatment. Uh, Buxton finally, you know, is is healthy, and tapping into all that talent he's held on to all these years, uh, and all of a sudden. They're, they're going uh, L.A. Angels and uh, decide that uh, they're just going to go ahead and waste that with a terrible start to the season.
0: Yeah, for sure. Speaking of the Mike Trout treatment, let's move on to AL West. Uh, surprisingly, Oakland to five games over 500 and leading the way here. The only team in this division with a positive run differential is Houston. They're a game and a half back. Seattle, surprisingly, is three games over and in second place as well. Then you have the Angels and the Rangers rounding it out. Uh, What do you make of this division
1: right now? I think uh, Seattle doesn't have the horses yet. And uh, unfortunately, LA just continues to do LA things because, you know, you, you watch the highlight reels and you see what Mike Trout's doing right now. And you see what Otani is doing right now. And you think about the fact that if they can just stay healthy for a few years, just, just a handful of years, uh, you know, them heading back to back in the lineup, there's, there's going to be memorabilia in the hall of fame dedicated to, to this, this heart of the order, uh, because they are so transcendent. Um, you know, you have, you have Otani, uh, you know, as perhaps the highest velocity arm in baseball, as far as raw velocity goes, and then also potentially could have the highest exit velo. uh, that doesn't happen. And then ho-hum, he goes ahead and steals second base, steals third base, uh, a few games ago, uh, after getting on after hit by pitch, it's like that, that just doesn't happen. So, you know, and, and then it's just setting the table for trout. Uh, but yet for all they've done, you look in their 13, you know, they're, they're at the 13, 13, 500 range, uh, and they've got a negative run differential. So they're just continuing to do their thing, which is a shame. You know, we, we both, we're we both kind of rooting for them, even though we're not Angels fans. Uh, and then Seattle. Seattle is a different story. Very young team, you know, that's got, that got off to a good start. Uh, they're going to fade. Um, they don't have the horses yet to do it. Uh, it's going to be an Oakland-Houston battle. Houston is just... Uh, blowing the doors off, I think they've got the second highest run differential between. Go figure, the Dodgers. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna catch fire soon. And the A's, even though it's a negative run differential at 17 and 12, I think a lot of that's because they got to such a bad start. So it, it's really a tale of two seasons. Um, only about 30 games in, uh, but that's that's I, I think I want to see what what that differential looks like um in about two weeks because i think it'll be it'll be much more positive
0: yeah i mean if you take out i think the the first dodger series like, with oakland uh then oakland definitely has a positive run differential but they got torched to open the season by, <laughs> at the dodgers and they and they will not be the last no and then they followed up and got torched by houston right after so that that <laughs> goes a long way to the run differential um yep the the one thing though that Houston has probably better than anyone else, even in, in the entire American League, is that thirteen and seven record against uh, teams that are over five hundred. I don't think there's even anybody close
1: to that right now. So they are winning, and they are winning against teams that are winning. So yeah, and th- this is definitely a a bear down team. Like that, you know their their players have always liked the spotlight. You know they you know for. Let, let's be honest, they could be handling trash can gate a lot worse. I mean, they, they've kind of met on with a, a, a lot of, you know, come at you attitude uh, where they're trying to prove prove themselves and they like playing in the bright lights. 100%.
0: Uh, let's move on to the National League. Let's uh, move over to the NL East where both of our favorite teams are on the struggle to start the season uh, Washington is leading the way with a pure 500 record. Uh, the Phillies are half game back. Mets are half game back. Uh, Atlanta's two games back and they're only a half game better than the hapless Marlins at this point. Um, where, where do you see this division shaking out? Cause it looks terrible right now.
1: Uh, it's, it, it, it does look bad. Um, Miami's pretty much, the, the funny part is Miami's pretty much where we thought they would be. Uh, a decent, a decent team, uh, that's going to bring up the rear, but they're the only team with a positive differential. So, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, I'd like to say that, uh, some regression will have them raising, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think that, uh, Atlanta and the Mets have just all been kind of treading water, uh, and just really find struggling to find their niche, uh, Washington has been without Soto for a while. Um, Strasburg, they're finally getting something out of Corbin. Uh, and they still, ha- you know, they have a bullpen that I still don't trust uh, as far as I can throw them. So I think Washington's going to fade. I think it's going to be, uh, I still think that it's going to be the Mets in Atlanta. Uh, Philly is just going to be the team that, uh, that is just back and forth a lot. A lot of talent some good stretches uh, but I think over the long 162 games, I think Atlanta and the Mets are going to be able to uh, squeeze out on top of them.
0: All right, let's uh, slide on down to the central with the division where everybody beats up on everybody else. <laughs> Milwaukee. Yes, they do Milwaukee currently tied with St. Louis as the uh, leaders of the division here. St. Louis obviously has a much better run differential but they're only three and six against teams over 500, whereas Milwaukee's eight and two. Uh, Then you got Cincinnati Pittsburgh, who almost no hit San Diego tonight and the Cubs bringing up the rear. Um, What surprises you or stands out to you in this division here?
1: Uh, Not much. Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh had a nice little record not too long ago, but I think that run differential does kind of show where they're at at the minus uh, 26. Uh, The Cubs still struggling. Um, you know, just just kind of uh, just kind of getting embarrassed a little bit against the Reds uh, in that uh, that huge scoring game <laughs> that yeah. that they just couldn't seem to take control of. And then, uh, you know, Cincinnati, it's you know they're sitting there uh, with a plus at a plus number, but I still think that the the numbers are starting to show that uh, St. Louis is going to do what what I think we projected, which is to be just gradually keep rising to become the cream of the crop in this group. um, They're not so much more dynamic than the others, but, you know, looking at Milwaukee, uh, you know, we don't know. When's Yelich going to come back? What's that situation? The offense. uh, Now Narvaez is out for a little bit who had been their best hitter, you know, to start the year. Um, So I think they're headed for some trouble. Uh, Corbin Burns, I believe he's just on the COVID list. Uh, so, uh, he should not, she should be coming back relatively soon. And that's part of the reason they're 17 and 11 with, uh, the minus one differential is because he's just been going out there and not giving up anything. Uh, so when you have uh, one fifth of your games, where you're just, you know, walking into an easy win, um, you know that's that's how good he's been uh, up until the start before he got put on the DL, where he had some some soft contact, just uh, some seeing eye stuff. Um, incredible pitcher. We'll talk more about later. Uh, but Milwaukee, they have ability to to outplay the run differential because of the back end of that bullpen. It's been it hasn't been as strong because Devin Williams has been slow to kind of get back to where he was just just flat out amazing last year. Uh, he's not to that level yet. Uh, hopefully that's just, uh, a young player kind of thing, uh, trying to get his feel back, um, you know, after kind of that first taste of success and then seeing guys, uh, you know, really start to, uh, you know, make your, make your adjustments. So it's his turn to, to make his adjustments. Uh, if he can do what, you know, even half of what he did last year, uh, as being the, the bridge to hater, then they're going to outplay their run differential. That's fine. Yelich has to be in there to help them score runs, but St. Louis is going to climb, climb to the top, I think.
0: All right. And that's going to bring us to our last division, the NL West, which is surprisingly not being led by the Dodgers. Uh, The San Francisco Giants of all people actually have a half game lead on the Dodgers, and then you've got San Diego in third. They're a game and a half back. And Arizona is two games back, which is also a little surprising to both of us, I think. And then uh, Colorado is who we thought they were in their seven games back at 10 and 18. Uh, what sticks out to you in this division?
1: Well, I think right now you just have the Giants who are kind of playing the the, the spoiler. Um, they're really, you know, if you it, just imagine that they're not there and we're still back to uh, we're still back to the Dodgers and San Diego one, two, followed by Arizona, who, you know, we, we know they can score runs, uh, and their pitching has held up, uh, a little bit better than expected. We had a couple bounce back starts from, from bum uh, Merrill Kelly's been able to avoid complete meltdowns. He's coming back from the thoracic outlet surgery after, uh, a nice little partial season during the, the, the COVID shutdown last year, uh, So he's been able to hold his own, which is saying a lot for when you look at the guys who've had that surgery and how, how tough it is to come back. Um, But yeah, this is really San Francisco kind of uh, just surprising us. You can't say they're playing over their head because, you know, they've got a 25 run, uh, you know, differential to the positive. uh, And they've got a a lot of, uh, a lot of guys on that team uh, that are just good clubhouse guys. Like there's a lot of strong role players. Uh, there's not too much in the way of superstars. They're kind of waiting, uh, to clear some budget, you know, next year was supposed to be the year when they started to add those pieces. Um, but yeah, they, they've kind of put themselves in a nice position where, you know, if they can get a Joey Bart, uh, if they can get a Haley Ramos, uh, ready to go this year to give them a little bit of that, uh, that extra push that, that fresh blood that, uh, has some, you know, some, some higher end physical skills, then, then this is something that they could really run with. It's just the odds are stacked against them because of the two other teams in the division.
0: Yeah, 100%. And uh, I mean, obviously the giants have also been uh, getting the benefit of playing at home where they obviously rake uh, their 10 and three at home right now this season and are uh, super happy to be playing in their friendly confines so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that um, San Francisco, obviously, is a team that we both kind of talk about is one of those that's they don't couldn't really figure out what they were doing. They're kind of old in the suit that are long in the suit at some positions to kind of hold on to these guys that are aging. But I, I think you're 100 percent right. They have a bunch of role players that are playing their role very well right now. And if they can continue, they could definitely be a spoiler in there. Uh, you know, especially if there's some injuries along the pitching staffs to the Dodgers and Padres as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, and we just uh we just saw May come down with uh UCL damage. So given his age and talent level, I, I think that all signs point to Tommy John there. Um, you know, you know, and we discussed we discussed earlier in the year. Uh the thing that puts the Dodgers over the Padres is just that experience and that depth because Dennison Dinnelson Lament. Uh, it's very unlikely he's able to make it through this year. Uh, just the way the tea leaves read out as far as his own elbow problems go, you know, the Padres lose Denison Lamet. All of a sudden there's a problem. Uh, the, the Dodgers lose, uh, Dustin May and it's next man up. They'll toss price into the rotation for a while. If they want, uh, Gonsolin is scheduled to be back from his own, uh, his own little injury issue in three to four weeks uh and we know what he can do in a rotation you know it's, it's just that that just never-ending depth that comes with being a Dodgers fan basically
0: <laughs> yeah exactly it's always a good thing when you can just pull a guy like David Price out of your bullpen and toss him your starting rotation you know just yeah just because you have an injury
1: <laughs> yeah yep ho-hum ho- here's six innings of uh of unspectacular but pretty steady veteran work
0: exactly all right, uh, let's move on to our stock up and stock down, guys. I'm going to throw you an, a curveball this week, and they're all going to be pitchers. <laughs> all right, my, my, my kind of curveball. All right. Yeah, we're going to um, – obviously, we talked about a couple weeks ago that it's hard to do stock up and stock down for pitchers because the sample size on a weekly basis is really, really small, especially for pitchers because you're only getting one, maybe two starts if you're lucky. But we have a month worth of – about a month's worth of uh, data now to look at some of these guys. Let's start out with uh, Garrett Cole for the Yankees. Four and one, one forty three ERAs, whips at .72, and he's got a ton of strikeouts, sixty two Ks. He is racking them up.
1: Uh, yeah, and this is a this is a definite this is a definite upward arrow. Um, you know, he's kind of uh, he had the the first real the first real jump in his career was after very solid work in Pittsburgh. He went to Houston. Uh, they turned him into a, a different player, uh, you know, very, very modernized, getting away from the, the the sinker, keep the ball on the ground to use that velocity up in the zone, get your strikeouts. Um, and, and it looks like now he might even be adding to, uh, you know, another upward tick. Uh, the home runs and the walks are way down. He's only given up like one home run and three walks and in 37 innings. Uh, plus, uh, he's also up the changeup usage, which is very interesting. Anytime you see, uh, someone with, with his type of exploding stuff. Uh, so he's throwing that pitch about 15 and a half percent versus the last three years where it's in a 5% range. So he's tripled up on that. Um, and in doing so he's, it's been just as effective as his curve and slider. He's getting forty percent, forty-seven percent, nearly fifty percent of the time he throws it. It's a swing and miss. Uh, you know, it's uh, the expected batting average on it right now is is a, a one-eleven. It's it's just it's it's becoming a cartoonish pitch to a guy that throws ninety-seven uh, and has the ability to throw some uh, hellacious breaking stuff. You know, it, it it kind of we we made some glowing reports on uh, on Glass a couple weeks ago. And you look at you look at uh, Cole and it's kind of like we have to say everything we did about glass now for Cole, except for he's showing elite command where that's still something that glass now will have come and go. And he makes it work because the stuff is so good. But right now, uh, Cole is throwing much like uh, you see a Jake DeGrom, a Max Scherzer, uh, you know, back a couple of years ago when Scherzer still had that 96 regular heat. Um, you know, th- he's on a hall of fame pace. So yeah, you're, this, this is where you, you buy up as much as you can, if you can afford the price.
0: All right, let's move on to the central Danny Duffy for Kansas city. It's a big reason for their early season success. Uh, he's got a 0.60 ERA, a 0.97 whip, opponents batting average of 183, uh, only 34 strikeouts. He's not really a strikeout guide. Is that really concern you?
1: Not really. Um, he was, he was a strikeout guy before strikeouts became so in vogue and he's missed a lot of time with injury. So, uh, I I think he can strike guys out. I think, I think it's an issue of when he was at his best and healthy, the strikeout numbers were way down, you know, back, back when he was striking out eight guys per nine, that was a strong number. Uh so do I think he can go above a K and in inning and hold the first season? Yeah, I, I do. He's he's got some nasty stuff. Um he's not gonna carry this ERA that he's got going right now. I think it's something like 0.6. Um and yes. and the expect the the expected number, if you go by the batted ball data, it's somewhere around uh 3.33. So very good. That I think he can hold. He's had stretches where he's been very good. It's usually been an injury concern that's dropped him. Um you know, the strand rate, it's unsustainable, uh, the batted ball, the batted ball luck, it's unsustainable, but the K rate, the walk rate, the home run rate, those are all, those are all trending positively versus his career, his career numbers. Um, so I think this is one of those where I'm going to put a hold on because while I'm not buying him as a Cy Young contender, I am buying him as being this possibly being his best career year. And if we're going to go with that, that 3.33 expected ERA, I think he can do that for a season.
0: All right. Let's uh, move on and talk about one of the few bright spots in Texas, and especially in their pitching staff this season, Kyle Gibson. Um, Kyle Gibson's got six starts. He's 3-0, 2.16 ERA. He does have 11 walks and 33 innings pitched. Is that concerning?
1: Not really. Um, you know, it's – so a lot of times that happens with sinker ball guys, because, you know, it's, it's very hard to consistently go out there and command it every fifth day. Um, sometimes, sometimes uh, it's just the, the, the drop on it is just too much and it's too good of a pitch because you can't, you, the hitter doesn't know where it's going, but neither do you. Um, so for single sinker ball pitcher, it's not a terrible number. Uh, you can live with that. Uh, really, this is an interesting case because a lot of his a lot of his, his overall numbers are not that far off as far as the peripherals go. The walks are about the same in line with the career percentages. The K's are in line with the career percentages. Uh, the velocities are comparable. Uh, basically, it, I'm wondering if uh, I'm wondering if this is a situation where you're seeing a guy, uh, in the later stages kind of, kind of take on, uh, the modernizing approach. Um, this is a guy that he was, it was a very fastball heavy. Um, it, it was a very fastball, heavy repertoire as far as a sinker. And then the four seamer with a sinker being his big pitch. And he always had a slider that racked up some very high end swing and misses, but he was never a strikeout guy because he always relied on the sinker, uh, you know, have batters beat it into the ground. And that's what he was. He was a premium sinker ball pitcher who just happened to have a a near elite slider and kind of looking at what he's been doing this year. um, You know, he he's really been focusing more on that. And I think you might see a Charlie Morton esque, jump here kind of kind of late career jump where he's 33 uh, and he pitches in a hitters in a, in a pitcher's haven and he's got this pitch that he can unleash for a lot of swings and misses he just hasn't really gone to it as much as he should so I got a big buy on him uh, I think there's room for a lot more not not just what he's been doing this year but I think his numbers could really start to spike if he goes after those strikeouts.
0: All right, let's move on to our stock down guys to so the American League. Uh, first up is probably one of the worst starting pitchers in the American League right now is Bruce <laughs> Um, One in three record. It's a 540 ERA in six games started. He's pitched 30 innings. In those 30 innings, he's given up seven homers and opponents are hitting 322 against them. Is this a guy that you're going to buy low and just hope that, like his, his next couple weeks, even out a little, or, or where are we going here?
1: No, this one, this one I'm leaving behind. It's uh you know, this is the, the Orioles uh, put together a nice little roster, given what they're given, what their direction was, which is don't spend money because we, you know, we, we aren't going to be a winner this year. We're letting the kids come up. Uh, but what they did do is they have collected a bunch of soft tossing, uh, control guys, uh, especially lefties that they have, you know, plugged in for innings and, you know, he's, he's just one of them. Uh, you know, it, it's a nice little curveball that kind of leads a, a junk ball repertoire, but it's nothing to get excited about. Uh, I don't think there's much surprise that he struggled. Uh, you know, they hit with, uh, you know, they hit with, uh, with means, uh, you know, but not everyone is capable of coming out of nowhere and pitching like he has. So, so I'm going to leave this one, this one be, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think Grayson Rodriguez or DL hall, a couple of guys that I'm sure we'll be talking about soon enough, uh, on the farm chat, uh, will be, will be coming up and taking some of these spots, uh, you know, probably about mid season. So, so I'm going to leave him be.
0: All right, uh, let's move on to a guy that we talked about a little bit earlier, Dallas Keuchel, is on our stock down list for the American League right now. Six starts, one-on-one record, 465 ERA, and a 132 whip. He's also given up three homers and the strikeouts. He's averaging uh, basically a half strikeout per inning right now. Uh, Where do you see him going this season?
1: So this is one of those where – it's a lot different playing the prediction game versus what you would like to see happen. Uh, clearly, clearly, he hasn't been the usual Dallas Keuchel, but the hits per nine, the home run per nine, the ground ball percentage, the average exit veal those are all pretty normal. Uh, the, the issue is that the Ks and the Walks, are getting way too close together. Uh, The K's dropped significantly. And now you got uh, a 12.2 K percentage and an 8.4 walk percentage. That's way too close. Uh, You're just not getting enough guys out for the traffic you're putting on base, even though he has made a career of getting out of trouble because uh, he has, he's been like pretty much the, the elite ground ball artist. Um, Still though, it's too much, and it's kind of showing him. What I would like to see is he's getting crushed by lefties very early, very small sample size, but he's getting destroyed by lefties. Uh, that shouldn't happen, even though he's always had a a vicious sinker uh, change up uh, combination. Uh, he's still always been better against lefties than righties. Being a left-handed pitcher, that's not surprising. Uh, but what is kind of surprising is that he barely throws a slider anymore. Uh, but yet it's historically been his best swing and miss pitch. So given the fact that he's struggling against the lefties, given the fact he needs the strikeouts, I would like to see him throw the slider and and bounce that up into his repertoire much more, get it up to 15, 20% uh, from the five or six it's currently at. Uh, I think that would go a long way. You know, it's just, you know what you're getting with Dallas Keuchel, but he's so good at it, it doesn't really matter. But I think years of kind of like the slow decrease of velocity from being a 90-mile-an-hour, a, a 91-mile-an-hour guy to now an 88-87 guy, it's time to throw that wrinkle back in. So I'm holding, he'll get it figured out, but if I see that he throws 15% more sliders in his next outing, I'm going to buy.
0: All right. And uh, let's... Go to we talked about one of the bright spots in the texas rotation now we're going to go to one of the not so bright spots in the texas rotation mike fulton davich uh former atlanta brave and uh looks like he is being snake bit by the homers again this season he's given <laughs> up nine homers in 33 innings the k's are there the walks are not super high he's got 31 k's eight walks um, I think really his biggest issue is at this point has got to be giving up all those homers. Um, do you think that this is just kind of a product of the park he's playing in, or is this something else going on?
1: No, he's uh, he's playing in a park that's 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 uh, ginormous and perfect for uh, for him. So he can't he can't use that as an excuse. Um, you know, his issue really there's a lot going between the ears with him. He's had some really weird uh, just, just looking strong and then completely fall off the face of the earth moments. Um, but I think really what it kind of comes down to for me, at least is that, uh, this is a guy who has always set things up with his fastball. He had, you know, out of the prep ranks when he was drafted by the Braves, uh, I believe it was out of the state of uh, Illinois. Um, he had maybe the best, high school arm strength in that entire draft. Uh, it's what got him drafted. And everything has played off of that since then. And we're kind of basing the Fultonevich name off of a 2018 season where he had a 285 ERA. He struck out 10 guys per nine, uh, and the fastball was coming at 96 and a half on average. Uh, those are all very impressive numbers. But now the fastball is down a full two miles an hour. Uh, and if you look historically at his secondary pitches, you know, he's never had a whole lot that's really missed bats. You know, he had that, he had, he was able to strike out 10 guys per nine uh, a couple of years ago when the, the strikeout numbers were, were even lower than they are now. Uh, so there was something there, but, it was really a lot based on that fastball and not so much the movement on the breaking stuff that racked up the strikeouts. So I don't really, I don't really know where he fits in. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's still got some talent, but I just, I think overall, I think his, his great season was just a little bit overrated and he, I don't think he's that guy. So I'm going to sell.
0: All right. Let's move on to the national league and talk about probably your favorite guy of all time. The, uh, (laughs) you're kicking off with your beloved New York Met, Jake DeGrom, early Cy Young favorite. And I'm sure he'll be there at the end of the season too, but he's got a 0.51 ERA, 59 Ks to four walks on the season and a 0.57 whip. Uh, DeGrom is on an elite level right now. Is this, uh, is this definitely sustainable for the rest of the season for him?
1: I mean, there's nothing he's showing that says it it isn't sustainable. Um, The only thing, the only thing that says it's not is just the common knowledge that guys getting older, don't throw harder. uh, But yet he is. And given, given the, 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 the body frame, I don't think, uh, PED is going to help that man (laughs) Uh, any any which way because uh, he weighs about 150 pounds soaking wet Um, you know this is this is a guy who you know we we don't even need to talk about what he's going to do this year because he's just flat out the best pitcher going right now Uh, and honestly if Kershaw did not have The the kind of last couple years of bouncing back, kind of adding that little bit more on the fastball to get back into uh, making that that breaking stuff really, really pop, you know, Kershaw would be in danger of losing out the the pitcher of the generation title. If if DeGrom can continue this for a couple more years, that's how lights out DeGrom has been since he really flipped the switch uh and and Kershaw has an argument where if he can do what he's done and and finish a a 15 year career anywhere close to the numbers he's got now you know he's got a case as greatest pitcher of all time really when you look at the you know the the juice ball era that he's pitching in um that's just been geared for home runs so so DeGrom is, is it's just amazing what he's done but you know, the thing about it is he's just become a master of efficiency. Usually you see guys, you know, they get better as they add th- add wrinkles. And he's taking away. Uh, this is a guy who came up with a five-pitch mix. And he just one by one decided that this he, – he, he did not want to do this average when he could do some other thing at an elite level. Uh, and so, you know, the sinker. Yo, gone. Uh, The curveball, gone. And this is a guy who, if he worked at it, if he he brought it back into a mainstream part of his repertoire, this curveball has plus-plus ability. And he's just like, nope, don't need it. Why throw it? So you're looking at this guy who's averaging almost 99 miles an hour on his fastball, and yet he only backs that up with a slider that he's throwing at a, at a, at a huge, at not a huge level, but combined with a fastball, that's like making up like 80% of his pitches. And then he's tossing in an occasional changeup. Uh, he, you know, it's almost to the point where he's, he's trying to get rid of the changeup. Uh, what he's doing is just, it's just masterful as far as efficiency goes. Uh, every pitch in a bullpen, no one is more laser focused than he is. Um, and, and it's, you know, his, his, his workout regime where he keeps his flexibility going Uh, you know, it's basically becoming the point where if he had had a longer career, if he hadn't, you know, been a guy who was a position player in college and then immediately hurt his Tommy John, uh, had to have Tommy John surgery, then come back as a pitcher. And, you know, he was like a 26 year old prospect when he really got his chance to shine. Uh, It's almost like if he had had the longer career, he would basically be baseball's version of Tom Brady where He's just continuing to do these things that you're like, that that really shouldn't be the way that, that it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, a guy that I kind of – I know I threw him to you a little bit late, but a, a little bonus American Le- or National League East guy, Husker Yanoa, 2-1 uh, <laughs> and one on the season, 296 ERA, and doing his best uh, Shea Otani imitation at the plate with a He hit a bomb uh the other day when he was pitching um what do you make of his start is this a guy that atlanta kind of found uh for their rotation going forward
1: you know two years ago i would say no two years ago i would have said that uh you know this is this is shades of a right-handed Luis goara where it's an exceptionally strong fastball for a starting pitcher. Um, It's a nice, you know, it's a nice uh, slider uh, base secondary. um, And it can get strikeouts, but you know, it's, it's still, it's a, it's a full body delivery. uh, You know, how long is he going to be able to sustain the command of it? You know, what happens when he drops a mile an hour? I, I would not be, In favor, but we're in a whole new world as far as pitching development goes. So the fact that, uh, he's able to, to sit 96 and a half, um, the fact that he's able to do it, uh, while in the strike zone, uh, he's only averaging two walks per nine so far. Uh, he's throwing strikes. He's filling up the strike zone. He's doing it with a high velocity. Um, I don't want to say uh, that, he, that he is a relief pitcher trying to start because there are many of those guys who are finding success right now. The only thing that I worry about is uh, I, do, I haven't seen him enough to know whether I believe that the, that the uh, windup and the, the motion, uh, if he's athletic enough for me to think he's going to be able to keep that honed in. Because uh, right now, I think it is more of he's throwing over the plate, but once guys get used to you over the plate, isn't good enough. Uh, You've got to, that's where control becomes command where you have to throw strikes, but you have to throw good strikes. And right now he is a little hittable uh, and he's had a lot of good luck regarding uh, the batted ball data. So let's see where that goes. There's definitely talent there, I just want to see how big the gap is between what he's doing right now and once he gets seen a couple times and how hard he starts to get hit. If, you know, if it's a, a blip on the radar and he's able to, to kind of like re, regroup himself and do that thing that, you know, all good pitchers do, which is keep a, a six-run inning to a three-run inning that keeps your ERA and your team in a game. Uh, I want to see him do that because there's talent there, but I'm not sold yet.
0: All right, let's move on to the central. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier because he's on the, uh probably most likely out with COVID COVID uh, the brewers have not specifically said that it is COVID, but Corbin Burns uh, so far, the season has been on fire 49 strikeouts, zero walks in 29 to third innings pitch. He has a .55 whip and an ERA just over one and a half. Uh, Corbin Burns, obviously, is part of that rotation over there in Milwaukee with Brandon Woodruff, who's also a kind of early side Young contender. Uh, what, what do you like uh, about Corbin Burns?
1: I like the fact that, uh, you know, in sports these days with development, it's just like, you, you see something that you just don't think you're going to see again, but instead of having to wait another generation, it seems to be right around the corner. We talked about that a few minutes ago with DeGrom filing Kershaw. Kershaw was so dominant. And then it's like, you know, these are, these are historic record numbers that he's putting up and we're never going to see that again, uh, you know, or at least for some time. And then here comes DeGrom. Like, almost step in step with his career uh, as far as her ages go. And Corbin Burns is that guy who, as soon as we're wondering who's going to be able to follow suit on DeGrom, here comes Corbin Burns, who also has just a very unique way of doing things. Like he is, he is the prototypical modern pitcher where he was a ground ball guy uh, in college, throwing that mid-90s for a small school, St. Mary's in California. Um, despite the fact he had a ton of arm talent, uh, had, some, had a good junior season, showed well in the, uh, the summer league before, the, uh, before his junior season leading up into his draft. Uh, he fell to the fourth round uh, to the Brewers. I kind of was very surprised by that. I, I, he was a guy that I really want to see my Mets take um you know i would have been okay in the first definitely want him in the second uh in the third i was yelling for it and uh then he didn't make him he didn't make it back around to him in the fourth because milwaukee jumped him and you know he he did not he he dominated the minors he was good at you know he never struggled in the minors until he hit triple a where he's playing in the pacific coast league the ball flies all over the place okay nobody cares like you know no nobody takes those numbers seriously really um, it's just do your time and move on. <laughs> so comes up, looks great in relief, starts the next year and gets pummeled, absolutely pummeled. It didn't matter if he was a starter. didn't matter if he was a relief pitcher. Didn't matter if he was back in AAA, got absolutely destroyed. And then last year he came out and he was lights out, absolutely untouchable. And he's been even more untouchable this year. Uh, super high spin, everything he throws moves except for. His changeup, which he's able to completely deaden. I mean, we're talking about his other pitches are sitting there, you know, top of the scale, off the charts, 3,000 RPMs. And that changeup is under 2,000. He completely deadens it, so it falls off the table. So he has every single pitch he throws gets swings and misses at a tremendous rate. Um, You know, it's, and he's, and he's also, throwing uh primarily cut fastballs uh it's a power arsenal where it's a 97 mile an hour cutter 97 mile an hour four seamer they're moving different directions going the same speed and then he can bust off a big slider and that drop off the table change so it's it's just a very intriguing way of that he's doing it where you wonder if this is going to be the next the, the who, who's coming next. So I'm very excited to see how he goes the rest of the season, buy him up uh, the the dudes for real. Um, and and we'll see, uh, we'll see if he and DeGrom end up in a uh, no holds barred battle by the end of the year for the side.
0: All right. That's going to kick us out west to Clayton Kershaw's division, but we're going to talk about somebody in a completely different team. The surprising San Francisco giants, Anthony Discofini is a, two ERA. He has a complete game shutout on the season. He is another guy that has a high strikeout, low lock ratio, um, and a whip under one as well. Is this uh, something that you're expected from Discalfini so far this year, or is this something that is kind of out of the blue for you?
1: No, it's, uh, it's not out of the blue. He's always been a talented arm. Uh, he's battled injuries as well as uh, a terribly – a terribly unfriendly park to pitchers while, uh, being developed in Cincinnati, but he still showed flashes. Um, in fact, I think he had nearly a full season, uh, of very strong work one year. And then it kind of, the it kind of fell off the rails as far as his health went. Um, but no, I mean, the, the, the talent, the talent is there, you know, ground ball guy, Nothing is getting in the air right now. He's sub 20% on both fly ball rate and line drive rate. He's keeping everything on the ground. Um, it's uh, he's getting a little bit of uh, batted ball luck. You know, usually the guys that keep the ball on the ground, uh, you know, usually you're going to be sitting around three, about 300 to 320 are what are going to be the batting averages of balls in play uh, just because, It's a lot, there's a lot more places for a ground ball or a line drive to drop than say a fly ball pitcher who it's a can of corn until a guy hits it over the wall. Um, So he's getting a little bit of luck. Uh, So I like the pitcher. It's not a guy that I'm going to buy the current numbers though. Uh, You know, he's around a strikeout and inning guy, maybe a little less. Uh, And right now, that's not exactly, uh, elite, uh, you know, probably about average. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there saying very solid number three, uh, the kind of guy that's helping the Giants kind of get off to this good start and kind of figure out where they stand in the pecking order, but he's not someone that I'm going to put too much faith in to be more than a, a solid number three.
0: All right. Let's go to our stock down, guys. Uh, Back to my Atlanta Braves for the stock down portion. Uh, We talked about Charlie Morton a little bit earlier as kind of a resurgent guy towards the end of his career. It looks like that resurgence has completely fallen off. Um, (laughs) His his ERA is over five. He does have a winning record at two and one, but his ERA is over five, Uh, 39Ks, 12 walks. He's given up uh, four homers on the season whip around 122 is this a guy that's kind of uh hit the wall and is starting to fade or do you think that he's going to be able to kind of turn it
1: around a little bit as the season goes on? no no i think i'm hoping to give you some good news here hopefully just not to the detriment of my mets uh i'm still buying charlie morton uh and i'm buying him pretty heavily because the home runs and walks are up a little to even with career norms uh but he's still striking out 10 and a half guys per nine the fastball still sitting 95 which is actually the best since 2018 the ground ball rate's the best since 2016 uh he's not getting as many chases uh out of the zone but that curve is still flashing elite. It's still registering elite as far as its ability to miss bats and the fastball is not far behind. So it's still, it's, he still got the normal Charlie Morton one, two punch. I think this is more of a, 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 of just a small sample size. There's some cluster luck here. Uh, they've scored, you know, teams have scored more runs than the hits he's given up. Uh, that ratio is a little off. Um The baseball savant expected ERA is a 3-3-6. And my projections on his hits versus run totals, I'm getting more of a 3-5-5. So both are in in a similar vicinity. I think he's fine.
0: All right. Uh, Moving on to the central, Luis Castillo for the Reds. Uh, We know that the Reds get into these barn burners, but he's given up. 24 runs on the season. His ERA is over six. Uh, He's averaging – he's got a three-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio right now. But his batting average against is 328. (laughs) I mean, uh, everybody that hits against Luis Castillo right now looks like a Hall of Famer. Um, (laughs) Is that something that you expect to come down as the season wears on as well for him?
1: I think he's too talented not to unless he's hurt. But at the same time, I don't know how aggressively I'm buying him. Uh, There's been a slight velocity drop, not a ton. Uh, But the real real tough part is that he's not throwing a single pitch that's getting a higher than a 30% whiff rate. And this is a guy that has just exploding stuff. I mean, he sets things up with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball and then both the changeup and the slider just dance. Um, and this year he's, he's not striking people out. He's not walking people. He's just getting hit. Uh, you know, he's just been way too hittable. He's too much in the zone. Uh, I don't know if that's, if, if that's something that he is trying, what was, I don't. I, I would abandon it at this point if, he, if it was on purpose, but I don't know if that's something he was trying to do uh, to take the next step, or if it's just a matter of his stuff, just doesn't have the li- the life on it that it did before. Um, when he's on, it's a filthy, filthy slider change up mix. Um, but right now they're all over the fastball because they're for whatever reason, they're seeing, they're seeing those pitches. Uh, they're not afraid of those pitches I, if, if he's healthy, then I've got to wonder if he's tipping the pitches. Like that's the best I can come up with looking at the stuff. Like there's not enough of a, of a degrade in any of the stuff. I think in fact, some of the spin rates are actually higher um, despite the lower velocities, something's up Uh, as long as it's not health, then he should be okay. But you know, when all of a sudden a guy with tremendous, you know, swing and miss stuff goes cold it it starts to make you worry
0: all right let's head out west and talk about the dumpster fire that is the colorado rockies pitching staff uh there's a bunch of guys we could pick from between austin gomber anthony senzatella uh but we're gonna stick with uh german marquez so for this edition (laughs) um era 413 Uh, He does have a complete game for the season, but he does have 19 walks in the season. His whip is around 147. Um, I tend not to look at home run totals for guys that are pitching in Colorado because we know they're going to be inflated. But um, is this something that you expected from him being a Colorado pitcher or is this something that he can kind of get under control a little bit
1: more? I think I think, unfortunately for Marquez, this is right where I expect him to be because it's very hard to be an elite pitcher in Colorado, uh, even when you have really good stuff. Um, you know, right now, the 413 ERA, that's not terrible for a Colorado pitcher. Uh, he did struggle in his last start, but that ERA was a 3 4, 5 through the first five starts. Also, the walk rate, was balloon because the first start where he ended up, you know, the results were good. Uh, he ended up walking six kind of, over the small sample size helped balloon that walk rate. Um, the velocity is down a little bit, but the ground ball rate is way up. Uh, so that could be a choice. Uh, I think I want to see a few more starts if, uh, if the, you know, some warmer weather, because obviously pitching in a lot of cold weather games, um, if if the velocity has kind of crept up to its normal level of of being at or above the the 95 standard that he throws and those ground balls stay the same, now you're actually talking about someone that you might really find interesting. Um, But overall, I think it's all right. The, you know, I think the most intriguing thing about him right now is His two power breaking balls are still racking up swings and misses like they always have uh, for the last few years. Uh, The only thing I will say in that regard is that they've come closer and closer in the velocity band. And they're kind of merging into one power slur versus a slider curveball giving different looks. So that might be something to kind of keep an eye on. That actually kind of concerns me more. Than the actual uh, the actual results right now, because I do see a lot of the positives that kind of you look at and you say, Oh, that's Herman Marquez. Uh, that one, I, w- I would like to, I would like to kind of see him separate those velocities for, for two different looks because he's already got enough. Uh, he's already got enough going against him, pitching uh, half his games in Coors field. Uh, you know, they've got the humidor going, Sometimes it seems like it helps. Sometimes it seems like it makes no difference, but he's got enough challenges. Let's keep those power breaking balls as kind of what he, what he's kind of ridden to his success so far. Let's keep those where they are.
0: All right. We've done a lot of talking about pitchers today, and we're going to keep it going with our down on the farm. Uh, Let's Go down to Tampa again and talk about a couple of guys and their farm system. That might be the next generation of these uh, Clayton Kershaw, Jake DeGrom kind of, the, the big time aces that we're looking for, for the next generation, uh, who, who, who we talking about there in uh, Tampa.
1: So the two guys were, uh, we're checking out here is, uh, we got Shane McClanahan and we got Luis Patino. Uh, Patino is a more famous name just because of the fact that, uh, he's been across the board, more highly rated, uh, by the scouting services, uh, came into this year of a consensus top 25 guy, pretty much across the board. As well as being involved in the uh, as well as being involved in the Blake Snell trade with San Diego, it's how Tampa Bay got him. So his names popped up more, probably more recognizable. Um, he and McClanahan piggybacked last week uh, a start where McClanahan made his regular season debut. McClanahan is uh, gets to be the Jeopardy question of the guy who made his. Major League debut, but during the postseason uh, last year. So he made his regular season debut and was pretty much lights out. Uh, The ERA doesn't show because of small sample size. Gave up two runs, made a mistake pitch to uh, Matt Chapman, one of the few that Matt Chapman has actually uh, capitalized on so far this year. Um, Made a dumb pitch, went with his third best pitch in a two-strike count with two outs to – you know, to a known power hitter, he'll learn you, you don't do that. Um, And if you do, you bury it in the dirt, you don't give any chance of it hanging. So it should have been a one run four inning uh, kind of uh, uh, introduction to the 2021 season for him. Uh, Then Patino followed, followed him for a few innings, just like he did. Uh, I believe it was following Yarber or or maybe it was Fleming. Uh, He, it was a second appearance of the year. Um, But these two guys, they're very similar in that these are the guys that, uh, that Tampa Bay will go with as far as underrated players. Uh, Even though Patino was, was very heavily scouted, shot up the charts. um, It's a case where the Rays don't care that, Patino is a slightly undersized starting pitcher that's throwing 97 miles an hour. Uh, They're more than happy to let him fill out a role like he's doing right now of pitching two or three innings at a time. So when some teams are willing to let a guy like that go for the right package, in this case, Blake Snell, uh, the Rays are more than happy to jump on that. They don't view it as dinging his value at all. And similar with McClanahan, McClanahan was a pitcher at, uh, USF, uh, Southern Florida. Uh, he was hitting, you know, mid to high nineties, uh, in college from the left side had some control issues and was not a big guy himself about 6'1, 185. Uh, you know, that was a guy that was looked at as a potential number one overall pick. He continued with the command issues. Oh, he he's had some injury history, He ends up going to Tampa Bay at 31. You know, they love that, that, that that's great for them and what they do. So now you got these two guys who throw about 97 with wipeout sliders, uh, you know, pretty much, I don't know if they're going to piggyback the whole season or if they will settle into each, each getting their own starting, uh, spot in the rotation. But these are two guys that you want to watch. These are the two guys that, uh, definitely have the ability to replace Snell and Morton, uh, perhaps not immediately. They'll, especially McClanahan's going to have his, uh, his just roller coaster ride of great outings, bad outings, because he's still at the point where he's throwing strikes. He's starting to get that control down. Like we talked about with Huskar, uh, but the command isn't quite there. He's going to, he's going to need to take a next step at some point. Uh, to go from throwing strikes to throwing good strikes, but the ground he's covered so far is quite a large bridge. Uh, and you know, the, the run on this thing, if you, if you have a chance, you know, go to YouTube, go to Twitter, check it out because, uh, his first strike out of the game came on a 101 mile an hour fastball that started center cut in the uh, middle of the plate and just dove dead left outside of the zone. Uh, And at the letters, So it, it was pretty incredible. And then the slider going the exact opposite direction is just as dynamic. So these are two guys. They're going to be fun to watch. Make sure you check them out and keep an eye on them.
0: All right. Uh, That's going to wrap us up for this uh, apparently special edition pitching edition of studs and duds sports. Uh, I'll be back next week with Dennis talking more baseball and I'll be back later this week, maybe with gorilla and we'll talk about the NFL draft that just happened over the weekend. We'll break down some of the players that you can look forward to for the upcoming fantasy season there as well. Um, But again, that's going to wrap us up here for Dennis. I'm Adam and we'll catch you next week.